you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets. This is your Friday at Best Bets edition of Buckets, sponsored by FanDuel at the Action Network. I am here. I'm Brandon Anderson here with J Money Is Money and Joe Delera. You can find those guys at, yeah, those names, at J Money Is Money and at Joe Delera on Twitter and on the award-winning Action Network app. Make sure you get the app, follow all of our picks, get those notifications on, get the real-time, get that CLV. Get those picks in when we get them into the app. Get those best value for your lines. Friday night, we've got two games on the slate. Phoenix and Denver, game three. The Nuggets up two games, nothing. Phoenix coming home. We'll talk about that. And then we got to talk about Joel Embiid, guys. The MVP is back. Joel Embiid played. We will talk about what we thought about that. Let's go around the horn and do our best bets at the top, and then we'll get into it. So, Jay Money. What are you feeling for Friday's slate? Uh, give me Suns in the first half, basically. All right. I like it. That is one of my plays as well. Joe, how about you? What do you like for Friday? I'm looking at Jokic over 13 and a half rebounds. Just been a wagon uh, against the Suns team on the season and in the past couple games in the playoffs. Yeah, the man is, uh, is getting a lot of rebounds. I like that. I'm going to play a couple of props as well. Suns first half is my main play on that game. But I'm going back to one we did last time. Give me the Devin Booker over points and assists. We've been doing that one a lot. Lots of Booker assists. We'll get into that. Line is up to 38 and a half, but for good reason, I still like it. And then I got a couple of really, really niche props here. A couple of three-pointers. I'm going to fill in for Gilles Gallant today. He's our three points guy. But I'm going to take Damian Lee over 0.53s, guys. Give me a Damian Lee three. And then in the other game, give me Grant Williams over one and a half threes. So let's start out with Suns and Nuggets. That's the game that we have our most picks on. So Suns, Nuggets, Friday night. That is the late game, of course. Nuggets are anywhere from their three and a half right now at FanDuel up to four and a half elsewhere. Total at 224.5. 
Jay, you and I are both on first half in this game. Why do you like the first half play here for Phoenix? Yeah, I love the Suns in this spot. Obviously down 0-2, uh, absolute desperation spot, right? Um, obviously be looking at getting swept if they don't win this game. I fully expect them to win this game by margin um, as well. And it's just like I say, down 0-2, this is the full desperation spot. You get complacency versus uh, must win. Not necessarily sure the Denver Nuggets have that killer instinct in them to go into Phoenix um, and get this win uh, even straight up in this one, man. So I, I'll be honest, I do think this will be a blowout spot. I think the Suns get back uh, some confidence um, for them and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they won game three and game four at the house I know that they're without Chris Paul that's kind of why I want to stay away from the first quarter gonna take a little time to get used to that but mm -hmm. I think uh, Devin Booker can definitely run the point guard they got campaign back got his feet wet a little bit in that one and they have to play a little bit of these uh, uh, players off the bench as well got to see a little bit more TJ Warren and Terrence Ross in there as well but I think the Money Williams and the guys will have a great game plan I think they'll play top tier defense uh, KD and Devin Booker will be ready for this game i'll take the suns in the first half yeah suns won the first half last game 42 40 uh, it was all going well till that fourth quarter where they kind of fell apart it, guys it's weird the, these games the, the the big gap in the week is really throwing off my momentum on these games i feel like i'm gonna watch denver and phoenix play for like a week right now we got miami and new york coming up on saturday so i'm 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 wondering if I'm feeling that just as an analyst and a fan, I'm wondering how that kind of mojo wears off. Maybe some of that Denver momentum from the early wins has worn down a little bit too. We've seen Denver come out flat a little bit at times. That's just kind of part of, of what they do. If they're not really into it or if they feel like maybe they got this wrapped up, a little bit of that, that Warriors overconfidence thing. So I do think this is a spot play. That's why I like the first half as well. The home team... Coming home, game three, down 0-2 is one of the steadier, more reliable trends from Bet Labs. That team, just in the first half, 67-34-2 against the spread. It's a 66% hit rate. And guys, we don't just blindly bet trends too often, but if it's a two out of three hit rate, that is a pretty steady one to go to. And Jay, I know it's, that's your spot, is, is kind of watching for the motivations angle. So that's why I'm on that one. Joe, you got the prop play on Jokic here. What do you like on him? Look, in all four games against the Phoenix Suns this season, he's had 15-plus rebounds. The rebound chances are very much there. He's averaging 28 rebound chances per game during the conference semifinals. And it's just a bad matchup for Phoenix, honestly. Like, they don't have the body to throw at him. It's Aiton's not big enough. And Jokic, he, even though Aiton's had some good games against Jokic, uh joker just kind of gets it done you know he's getting those rebound chances he's the guy that's going to go grab those for denver and kickstart the offense a lot of times with some outlet passes even so i like Jokic in this spot i think that he goes over this line again and we know that he's playing uh max minutes here so i do think that it's a good opportunity for him and he should continue to do this he's converting them at a very high clip and it's just one of those things where they the Suns are limited in to a lot of what they can do, right? Right now, like their their roster is very thin, and you really are going to need Aiton out there now, probably a little bit more for offense with the fact that Chris Paul's hurt. So they might have him like say, like, look, you gotta, you might have to take it even easier on the glass. Not that he's like the biggest rebounder anyway, but like you can't get into foul trouble because it's going to be a major problem if you're getting, you know, over the back fouls or anything like that. So I think that those chances are going to go the Nuggets' way, and I like him to go over the thirteen and a half. So two follow-ups for you on that 13 and a half. Are you looking to play the escalator? Are you looking to go for the big rebound number? And is there any concern about 
what if this game gets away a little bit? We've got every every day or every two days here on out. Is there any concern about maybe a blowout limiting some Jokic possessions or rebound chances? Uh, maybe, maybe, I guess. But at the same time, like I, I bet Denver plus five and a half at the open. Cause I was like, that line's just wrong. <laughs> so I, like, I think that Phoenix should win this game. Right. But at the same time, from what we've seen on court, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that we're going to get that. I think it could still be a close game. Um, especially like Jay said, there might be some opportunity where, you know, maybe Phoenix can pull it out later. Or they kind of figure something out but I think that they might start a little bit slow. And honestly, like campaign isn't inspiring a lot of confidence in me. <laughs> so uh, I do think that this, I, like, I understand what you're saying, but I haven't seen enough to think that this is going to be a blowout. Um, and if it is, maybe it'll, maybe it'll come like later in the game as Phoenix kind of gets their rotations down a little bit more. So I'm going to pivot to the campaign thing. Cause that kind of plays into my pick here. Guys, this is a little bit blasphemy and I, I hear exactly how ridiculous this sounds. With the way that Chris Paul is playing at this stage of his career, and more importantly, the way that Phoenix is using Chris Paul, largely as like a, hey, stand in the corner and spot up, buddy. I'm not totally convinced that switching those minutes over to campaign is going to be as disastrous as it feels like it should be. I know campaign was really rough last game, and Chris Paul is the point god and Hall of Famer and all of the above. This is not CP slander, but the way they're using him and what what he can do at this age of his career. So Payne, Payne played 14 straight games, November, December, when CP was out. We don't have a lot to go on here because we don't really have what if campaign starts while Durant is on the team. We're all a small sample here. But in that 14-game stretch when Payne was healthy and started, he put up 15 points, three rebounds, 7.3 assists a game. That's interesting because CP has been at 7.4 for the playoffs. So basically just stepping right in there. But interesting though, 2.3 three-pointers per game for campaign on 5.8 shots. So he's getting six threes up. Guys, that's like half a game for Phoenix Suns. Six threes is like breaking records for the way the Suns play. So if he can shoot and get some shots up and just kind of play off the ball a little bit, I'm not sure that that's going to be as devastating a drop-off as what it should be with CP. That said, I don't trust the campaign minutes. I don't trust he's not getting in foul trouble. We saw that last game. So rather than play the pain angle on Chris Paul, that's why I'm just going back to the with Devin Booker. So over 38 and a half points plus assists. Look, he could just hit down scoring. We know that at this point. He has gone 37 points a game the last six games of the playoffs, but he's also at 7.2 assists in those games. You've heard us make the case on here with the assists over and over. We're playing that with Durant out. But also when Chris Paul is out, Booker's assists always have gone up. We had the last time when Chris Paul missed playoff games a few years ago, Devin Booker, what did he do? He had a 40-point triple-double in one of those two games without him. So that was a big breakout for him. That assist line went up to 7.5 now. RIP to our 5.5s that we've been smashing for all this time. But I don't mind the over 38.5. He's had, in the last six games, he's gone over that four times. The other misses was a 37 and a 35. And remember, the 35 was that game one when they sat out the last five minutes. So he would have probably just gone over that one too. So I like the Booker over 38 and a half. Joe, you've been on the Booker assist train with me. Are you leaning that direction as well here? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that they move the assist just like a touch high. It's just at a point where he's just not really getting that. But I think you're right in terms of fact, like they have to win this game. 
So, you know, even if they're down, I think that you're going to see Booker continuing to play, you know, just as long as it's within some sort of reach that they have to try to win this game on any type of run. And I like that spot. He's their best scorer, you know, him and KD. So he should really run the offense, especially like you said, if campaign maybe starts getting exposed in one way, shape or form, it's like, look, book, here's the, like, you do what you got to do. Yeah. And Booker, we talked on the last show going into game two, I warned about the Booker assist play because he had eight assists game one on eight potential assists. So -hmm. game two, he dropped a six assists. However, potentials went up to 11. So we basically went to about a a 50% uh, conversion rate where we expect. And don't forget, Chris Paul played a lot of that game. He had nine potential assists. So if you basically take those nine and redistribute them, figure book gets half of them. Now he's up to like 15 potential assists. You're feeling pretty good. That seven and a half number, I think is probably just about the right line. There's not a lot of value in it for me, but adding it into the points and assess, I like that one. Damian Lee, our man played 26 minutes last game. He scored zero. He went 0 for 5 from the field, but the 0 for 5, the 5 is the number I like here, and the 26. Damian Lee got back in the rotation. Clearly, clearly, a thing the Phoenix Suns did in game two was hey, what if we try to solve this math problem a little bit? Let's shoot some threes. How about we shoot a few threes? We saw Durant do that. I don't think it really went well. Two for 12. Obviously, he can shoot the threes, but it felt out of rhythm for him. Felt like a little bit forced. Damian Lee, he's he's out there to shoot. So he only got 0 for 5 in the game, but three of those were three-pointers. You're going to make one of those most games. He played this season 24 games. He had at least 24 minutes. In those games, he averaged 4.7 three-point attempts, made more than two per game, and shot 45% on those. So you might have to really look around to find a Damian Lee prop. They're not necessarily up yet. They might come up just before the game. But in those 24 games, when he hit the 24 minutes, like he did in game two, he had two or more threes in 18 out of those games. So 75% of the time. I don't know, Joe, if there's such a thing as a Damian Lee escalator, but I think I'm here. I think I'm ready for the Damian Lee one, two, three escalator. What do you think? Yeah, dude. I think it's I think it's actually a good angle, especially I think it ties in with Booker too, right? Because I think a lot of the issues that the Suns had, even schematically, is has to do with spacing. So with Chris Paul, he's not really a three-point shooter. You know, you remove him off the floor, maybe that opens it up a little bit more for Book on some driving kicks. It opens up the paint and it lets him, you know, spread the floor with these other shooters around him. So like ride the hot hand. I mean, we only need one. So they're going to give him his opportunities. It's not like they have anybody else to play. So uh, I I do like the spot. I guarantee you two plus is going to be like plus 400 or something like that. Yeah, I don't know about ride the hot hand. I feel like we're really pushing the hot hand here unless we're just counting hot hand minutes. Getting on the court is hot hand hand for Damian Lee. Jay, you got anything else on this game before we get over to Boston Philly? Yeah, I mean, I like the Damian Lee look as as long as he gets those minute uh, those many minutes. Uh, role players play a lot better at the house. So I'm expecting a supporting cast for the Suns to play a lot better in this game. Yeah, I think so. Uh, they, they're going to need it. You got to have the role players show up at home, and that's that's the angle that we see come through. We saw Bruce Brown really good those first couple of games for Denver. I don't think that he'll necessarily drop off a lot, but Denver really got hit everything in all cylinders. We'll see how this looks in game three. Phoenix, I mean, they gave everything for this. This is this is the franchise right now. You can't go down 0-3 when you traded literally everything for Kevin Durant. So you got to expect that they show up here. Boston, Philly, game three. Celtics are road favorites. One and a half point favorites on the road in Philly. 
Total is at 214, right about in line where it's been the last couple of games. Guys, Joel Embiid is back. He played, and they lost. Embiid just fell on his own, and the crowd will let him hear it. Oh, man, did they lose. They lost by a lot. So just to remind you how this went, game one, Joel Embiid, the MVP of the league, now announced and confirmed, didn't play. James Harden, 45 points, and the Sixers win. Game two, Joel Embiid, the MVP, heroic return, and they get blown out. So, Jay, what did you make of Joel Embiid? What, what, how, what's the takeaway on how did he play? What are you taking away from what you saw from him for the series? Yeah, first game back. First off, congratulations to Joel Embiid getting the MVP as well. I was on that pretty heavily. But um, regards to that, yeah, first game back after 13 straight days, we didn't expect him to look well. Sometimes you want to zig and zag, right? I was on Philly in the first game with no Embiid. We knew that the Celtics were going to be complacent in that one, uh, thinking that things were easy. They lost it outright. Then Embiid comes back. Now the Celtics ready to play their best game. They wanted to send a message, went out there and smacked them up by almost 40 points. So that was fully expected for me. Game three, um, I'm kind of going to wait this one out. I will probably play the loser of this one um in game four I, I could i could see the celtics coming out here getting a win again but um I, something tells me that the Sixers is going to be pretty pissed off after getting absolutely blown out um i still probably wouldn't expect mb to be 100 we know he's not 100 it's kind of forcing it obviously it's the playoffs now you have to play it even if you're at 70 um 80 so i still don't expect him um to look his his full self in this one but we know role players play a lot better at the house so if i had a look in this one it would probably be sixers early I do think if the Celtics take it, it'll be later in the game. But um, first quarter, first half, I could only look towards the team coming off getting absolutely blown out uh, first game at the house um, in this round two series. I expect the, I expect the Sixers uh, role players mainly to show up here in the first quarter, first half. Yeah, I like what you said, too, about possibly getting to the 2-2 tie. Some books, you can bet that. I see a minus 115 on a 2-2 tie for the series. That feels like where we're headed, right? It feels like we're going to do a best of three and you have to feel decent about Boston's chances there because you got two out of the three home games at that point. But it, it feels like we're in for a war, right? It feels like we're settling in long-term. The over five and a half games for the series, I think is juiced to like minus 350 now or something. So books are just like, no, no, thank you. We don't, we don't need your money. Go ahead and bet someone to win this thing in five. We don't think it's happening. So Joe, what about you? What did you take away from Embiid from what you saw? How about also James Harden and obviously his very different games, game one and two. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of one of those things where Philly almost didn't know what to do. I Like, it seemed like the offense was, like, lost, right? So Embiid was playing, he played 25 minutes. His passes received was actually cut in, like, half. So it was almost used as, like, a decoy in a way. But, like, when he did get the ball, he wanted to shoot. So he was like relatively effective scoring the basketball, but, and he made, and he had a ton of blocks, but Philly seemed to be in this weird situation where they didn't know how to run the offense. Right. But what they had in game one, I thought was interesting because Harden was good. Harden was like really good. And Harden had some comments where he was like, I had to step up. Like I needed to take on that role. Maybe that's actually the role that they need to beat this Boston team. And it's not running through Joel and bead just in this particular matchup, like you need Harden to take 10 threes a game at a minimum, because you need to match up with the math that Boston's going to provide. The thing that I think is really interesting is that Tatum played bad and they still got their doors blown off. So I I'm curious to see, I think this is a spot where Philly, a lot of their role players are three point shooters. And kind of like how Jay said, you said 
uh, the role players play better at home. So I might be looking at some, maybe like a little bit of George's Niang, like some stuff like that, where I'm saying like, all right, well, if Philly's going to win or if Philly's going to keep this close, he's a guy that's got to make some threes and he's a little bit more comfortable at home. So that's kind of the angle that I think I'd be looking to approach here. But I think you're both 100% right. Embiid does not look 100% like at all. Um, and it, it's honestly like he looks closer to 60% or so um, than, than a hundred. So I think he's just kind of getting out there because he's, he really has to, and Philly does need him, but I think that they need to run the offense a little bit more through Harden. Yeah. Look, we obviously don't have the information that the teams do, but I, I was really surprised that he played this game. I felt like it was a mistake to try to rush him back out there. And maybe the upside is you get to shake off the rust a little bit, get some conditioning in and he's better for game three. I'm going to give them credit here and hope that that's what they're hoping for here. Like this was always going to be a good spot for Boston in game two. We've done the game two down a one thing for a lot of these teams. So I don't know. Look, I, I kind of painted the picture at the top on MVP out and they win MVP in and they lose. That's not really what happened this game. Like that's not really totally fair. It's more like Boston just hit all their threes. And we know when Boston makes all their threes, 39%, they made 20 in this game. When they do that, they're going to beat you. We have the number from during the earth. There's something like 43 and two now when they hit 40% of their threes and they're right there. So that was just a third quarter barrage. They hit all the threes and that's the NBA in 2023. That'll happen sometimes. I, I do think the defense with Joel Embiid at the rim, clearly much better. He had five blocks in the first half. And I mean, look, game one was a layup line. Paul Reed, our man, is not protecting the rim. He's getting the rebounds, but he is... He was letting them just get to the rim. Their rim rate uh, dropped by about half Boston's in attacking here. So that mattered. But then I wonder if that also played out in Embiid tiring out a little bit and leaving some of those three-point shots open, not quite getting out to cover. And was that worth it? I don't know. I, I am not probably going to play a side on this game for game three. I don't feel super confident in this series right now. I am going to play a role player. I'll play a Boston one. Grant Williams over one and a half threes. This was a spot that I had targeted coming into the series, but then held off in game one because it's a Joel Embiid correlated spot. I think Grant Williams is really good against Joel Embiid. He's super strong. Like that dude is a brick house and can just hang in the post, hang with Embiid. And when he's out there, we know what they do. They're going to plant him in the corner, let him shoot some threes and even do a little bit of playmaking too. So here's what I noticed in the four games against Philadelphia during the season. And we know Grant Williams minutes have been all over the map this year. Those four games, he played 30 minutes a game. He had a double double in three of the four and he had two and a half threes per game had at least two makes in three out of those four. So what do we see? Game one, Grant Williams plays four minutes invisible, not in the rotation game two and beads back in the lineup. Grant Williams plays 29 minutes. He's plus 22 he goes four of eight on threes. Now, I don't want to go too crazy here. Half of those threes came in the fourth quarter, effectively garbage time. So I'm probably not going to take the escalator, but Grant Williams to just be out there and get some threes up, I think is a good spot here. Joe, what do you think about the Grant Williams angle? Yeah, I love that. I mean, if you look at his last uh, couple games, really, pretty much every game he's played against the Sixers um, with Joel Embiid playing, he's made at least one three. So you're like already halfway there, right? Um, I do think that your point there is good about the fact that he's so strong. He's really able to contest and, you know, put a body on Embiid. And if Embiid's knee is not great, 
you know, he's not moving Grant Williams. So uh, I, I do like the angle and I think that it's a good spot, especially because if that knee is still bothering him, which it looks like it is, it's going to be much, much more difficult for him to get out to the corner, cover him, like cover cover and cover Grant Williams shooting those threes from the three point line. So I think those are going to be a little bit more open shots that maybe they would have been if Embiid is at full health. Yeah, I agree. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, I just want to touch briefly on futures. I feel like, like I'm the futures guy. And if you have a read on Celtic Sixers, it doesn't sound like the three of us really have a strong angle on it. But if you feel like you do, I think this is a great spot for you to get some money. And especially, I kind of think there might be some value on Philadelphia here. Maybe I am overreacting to Embiid being back. Maybe Embiid is just not good and going to get injured again. I think that certainly re-injury is in play. But I think the Sixers are being a little underrated. I was coming around before the series to... Guys, I think Philadelphia has a decent price here. If they were healthy, I just didn't think they were. So I couldn't really price it in. I didn't think Embiid would be playing still even in game three necessarily. But I see some value on Philadelphia game to game. And that has to mean then, look, it's a five-game series that the Sixers have home court advantage in right now. They get three of the five games at home court. So I think if you like them, though, my point is this. Don't play them to win the series. You got to think bigger because... If they're good enough to be the Celtics, then sorry, Joe, they got to be the favorite against your Knicks or your Heat. We got to do it. So I think you got to play, if you like Philly, play them to come out of the East. Play, I see Joel Embiid as 5-1 to to win East MVP. James Harden is 25-1. to You can just put those together and you're getting a, a plus 383 implied that you get either one of those stars to be the Eastern MVP, which is basically a ticket on Philly to come out of the, the East. And I know, I know, Tyrese Maxey, you want to throw him in there too? He's 85 to one. That's fine. Put a couple bucks on that. Get your whole position covered. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm there yet because we just don't know about Philly. But if you wait another game and they look really good, you missed your chance. So, Jay, do you want to talk me into or out of a futures position here before we get out of here? Yeah, I think you're looking in the right places, right? If whoever wins this series is going to likely going to win the East. So I like how you're attacking it because you're finding even more value with going with the guys that could potentially uh, win the MVP as well. I definitely think it would be out of those three. I mean, let's be honest. It would definitely, they would give it to Harden or Embiid, even if Maxi uh, kind of goes bonkers and nail it, man. So I think you're looking in the right spot, basically finding the best possible value. But I definitely agree. Whoever wins this series is definitely uh, winning the Eastern Conference. So I, I like the looks there. Joe, you got anything on futures? No, I think that I do think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Boston has, I think Boston should win this series, right? Like just based on like what we're seeing at Philly, but we know that Boston kind of does this where they play down their competition, like enough games where the number is bad. I think the number is bad on Boston. You know, like they're basically saying that they, they're the favorite and they should be, they're a heavier favorite than, you know, what we're seeing on paper and like what this actual situation is. So I do think that there is some more value on Philly just based on the fact that Embiid is probably going to be the most dominant if he's healthy. And, you know, maybe that knee kind of starts to recover like as he plays a little bit more on it, which sounds funny, but I guess, but with sprains that that can kind of happen, uh, you know, he's generally going to be the most dominant player left in the Eastern Conference. So I, I think that that makes a lot of sense to target that angle. All right, we got some good games coming Friday night. Game three action. We're getting back in the regular flow. We'll be back for Friday for the weekend games and back in our usual schedule. 
That's it for today's buckets. Please remember to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you could leave us a review, tell us what you love about the show. Got some Action Network merch coming your way. Get that green dot. Wear it proudly. Get a pro subscription to get the Action Network app. Uh, All that extra info, all the props, angles, a lot of good stuff on there. So give us some good reviews. You can find Jay at at jmoneyismoney, at Joe Dallara. For Joe, I'm at Weedon Brando. We'll see you next time. Let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.